So we're back, part two. Part two, baby! Of Marvin Gaye, the Prince of Soul. Yes. Yeah, he has a lot of things. I would think that there'll be a lot right. of titles associated with him. Yes, you're right. Just because he's such, a, he's so dope at what he does. You know what I mean? I know, because he's still so relevant. He's so relevant. Still Because we today. don't have crooners like that. Damn. And I don't, don't mean to discredit all the crooners. I hate when we do that. Like, oh, there's nobody that compares. Like, but there a, isn't nobody that compares well, to Marvin Gaye. Know. There are, to Marvin Gaye, you're right. But in terms of their He's ability still. to capture your entertainment and keep, I mean, your in, uh, attention and keep it there. Right. There's definitely, I mean, the Trey songs of the world, if he would just get his life right, because he's so damn fine. <laughs> crooning, it wasn't just the crooning and the balladeering. It was the songwriting and lyricists. Right. Like, I don't know. It was know. the whole thing. You're absolutely right. It was the whole thing. I don't know if there's anybody like Marvin Gaye now. And not it. to say that there's not any talented people out there. John they are. Legend. John is talented. He is very talented. John Legend. <laughs> he, John Legend is probably sits on the shoulders of Marvin and Donnie Hathaway. Yeah. I can I see that. I would think so. For sure. You know, um, but anyway, anyway, getting Anywho. back to Marvin's. Yeah. Is, despite what Marvin called Motown skepticism, the album was a commercial and critical success. And between February and October of 1971, three of the songs, What's Going On, Mercy, Mercy Me, and Inner City Blues, hit the top ten on the soul and pop charts. Nice. Yes. And you're going you're gonna to, like, literally probably want to cry when I tell you this, Kitty. Oh, don't cry. Even though this groundbreaking album received financial and critical success, it wasn't nominated for a single Grammy. Yeah, I can see that, though. It pissed him off, by the way. But isn't that ridiculous? It is. In winning the fight for his artistic integrity is what Marvin Gaye did. Yeah. um, He also won it for other people, like what we just talked about. Stevie Wonder, Mm -hmm. who since the age of 10 had been studying, you know, and, and, you know, creating songs, Mm -hmm. took a page, was so influenced by Marvin that he took a page out of Marvin's book of doing a concept album and Mm -hmm. did songs in the key of life. Love that. Michael Jackson, another one. It was at Motown. Loved him some Marvin Gaye as well. And he took a page out of that um, playbook. Playbook, yeah. Yeah. Took a page out of that Marvin's playbook. Marvin led, Marvin was groundbreaking in creating artistic integrity. Right. And leading the way with being a songwriter, a a singer, a producer. And Marvin said, the biggest result of what's going on, though had to do with his own freedom, he said, I'd earned it. He's talking to you now, Kitty. He says, (laughs) Kitty, I'd earned it. Yeah. And no one could take it away from me. Now I could do whatever I wanted. And for most people, that would be a blessing. Mm. But for me, with all of my hot little games, the thought was heavy. They said I'd reached the top 
and that scared me because mother used to say, first ripe, first rotten. And when mm. you're at the top, there's nowhere to go but down. So he kind of started feeling pressure about that, you know, because with the success of that album, what's going on, little by little, he, he did emerge from his despair brought on by, you know, the doomed marriage and, you know, Tammy Terrell's death. Uh, and he accepted a few prizes in person, but he still refused to perform until May 1972. Right. Where in his hometown, your hometown. My old town. We share that. Yes, D.C. honored him. And in spite of his little trepidations, you know, the event was very triumphant, and he had a great time. He had yeah. a good time. Yeah. You know, next came the soundtrack for the feature film Trouble Man in 1972, and it was one of the only two albums where, where Marvin wrote every song. He said that working with the film images added to his inspiration. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. And, um... Also, by the way, they mentioned trouble. I'm thinking this at the top of my head. In Captain America, Captain America tells, uh, what's the black guy who played Falcon? Um, Damn. Oh, 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 um, with his sexy ass. Yeah. Um, Mackie. Um, Mackie. What? Shit. Now it's coming out of my I can't head. Can't think of his name. First Something name. Something Mackie. But don't you know, Mr. Mackie? Right. He said, I Listen love to Trouble Man. his first film. She hate me. That was a great one with Spike Lee, but either way. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You didn't watch Is it Anthony Mackie? Anthony Mackie. Is it? Too? I don't know what. It just came out yes. of my head. Is it right? That's right. Please watch Captain America. Me so we can talk about it. Oh, yeah, I will. Yeah, please do. Anthony Mackie told, uh, uh, no, yeah, Anthony Mackie's character mm-hmm. told Captain America, mm-hmm. if you really want to talk about it, because he came out of the ice, you know what I mean? Right. And he said, if you really want to talk about it, listen to Trouble Man. And I think they even played a clip of Trouble Man and Captain of America. Of Tip? A trip, a little tip. No, of no, no. The, but T.I.P.? No. T-I? No, he paid a, a a small portion of Trouble Man's song in Captain America. Oh, you hear okay. Marvin, that's You hear Marvin Gaye in a lot of songs. The whole album. I mean, the, the um single was called Trouble Man by yes. T.I., so I was a bit confused. Oh, T.I. did a thing called Trouble Man? Yeah, his album was Trouble Man. He was the man. Well, first of all, Marvin Gaye is the man. He's the one who came up <laughs> with all that. Exactly. He Thank got it you. from him. I love yeah, yeah, T.I. No question about it. I love T.I. I love Tip from Tribe Called Quest and T.I., but right. whatever. Right. So Stevie Wonder, during this time, Stevie Wonder gave him a Moog synthesizer for a gift, and he loved that Moog As he should. synthesizer so much that he used it in the recording of another album of the actually during the Trouble Man album he really used it. Robert Arthur Moog debuted the first commercial synthesizer, the Moog synthesizer at the 1964 Audio Engineering Society convention in New York. The Moog synthesizer quickly became a pioneer music instrument and according to one newspaper, the synthesizer changed the complexion of the pop and classical music world. Moog's name became so associated with electronic music that it was sometimes used as a generic term for any and all synthesizers. Soon after this, Mr. Moog created a more portable model, the Mini Moog, which has been described as the most famous and influential synthesizer in history. Stevie Wonder once said, a lot of people don't consider the Moog an instrument, in a sense and they feel it's gonna take a lot of work away from musicians and all that. But I feel it is an instrument, and is a way to directly express what comes from your mind. It gives you so much of a sound in the broader sense. He considered um, Mr. Robert Moog, who created the Moog synthesizer, Mm -hmm. an absolute genius. 
and was grateful to him. He said all the while he was working on that album, Trouble Man. Wow. Yeah, he loved it. So Marvin and Anna left Detroit <clears throat> and moved to Hollywood Hills in 1973 because Barry Gordy came to move to Motown to California at mm-hmm. that time. Exactly. Kind of how Corey Turner moved Cedar's World from New York to L.A. Ooh. Just saying. I'm just saying. I'm keeping that in, Corey. <laughs> So he also, you know, Marvin, when he came to California, you know, because he had all the ladies, Mm -hmm. he also maintained a small apartment in West L.A. And later in the year, he bought his parents the sprawling lime green Tudor styled home situated on Gramercy Place in the Crenshaw District. And that's going to be very important. We're going to remember that. Remember that, children? Mm. Gramercy Place, <laughs> Tudor-style home. Remember that, youngins? Remember that, Sharon's? And that's going to be very important in his death. For sure. So when Marvin's parents moved to L.A., his dad became even more withdrawn. Because you know what? His dad, because he was shiftless still, and his mom, had Marvin's mom, she was like a housekeeper. She had kept them up, you know, mm-hmm. during all those years. Um, but uh, she, you know, she said that he refused to give her any affection anymore. He refused to have sex with her mm-hmm. at that point, And they did not have sex ever again after that when they moved in what 1973. Kind of I know. Is that? And she also said he started using profanity against her and she said she was very unhappy about it. You think? I know. You're right. I'm always amazed at the shit that we endure as women. It's like that's for me. I'm so sorry. I'm the queen of digression. I don't mean to be, but I'm just it just it sparks a thought in my brain that goes when is it okay? Like, at what point do we set the standards that this is okay, but yeah, that's not okay. Right. And this crosses the line, but da-da-da. You know, because it's like, you want this, my person. I want my person. I want my guy. I want the my soulmate and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It all sounds amazing and very... Um, Romantical, that's not a word, but you know what I mean. It doesn't, and then the reality of it is like, he beat every bitch before me, but he ain't beat me, so I guess I'm good. Right. And she couldn't even say that for her. Right. You know, he was so mean. I mean, Mm. but you know what? I guess it's the devil you know, so to speak. That's it. You know, and in her case. I'd rather deal with this bullshit in front of me because at least I know this bullshit. Yeah. Than to deal with fast forward to two weeks later, I meet some guy and it's a brand new And I'm going to give her a get out of jail card free along with Catherine Jackson. Yeah. Not to talk about Joe Jackson. No, please talk about Joe Jackson. Because Catherine's a beast. The fact that she endured it over all these years. Yeah. Yeah. And stay stay married. Even though he's, rest in peace, Joe Jackson. Disgusting. But anyway. (laughs) But. I'm going to say those women grew up in a different time and mm-hmm. era. Nowadays, I'm a little less uh, empathetic, I think. Very when, good point. When you now have as much as resources, much, exactly. resources as you and they're they everywhere. didn't have. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The I movement is there. Fucking, yes. Me you know too, what I mean? Everything Spearheaded while you can. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You, you, you know, and I understand sometimes when you, but her son was Marvin Gaye. It's not mm-hmm. like she couldn't have left. Exactly. She could well, have left. She could have left too, but again, and that Catherine could have left too. Yes, babe, but it goes back to what we just said in terms of the mindset and the and the prowess and the what was available to you. Right. Me. If right. my mindset is that you get married, no matter what the circumstances and you are, stay. That you stay married. 
and you stay the mom and the driving force for your children and your family, no matter what happens. So literally, you're giving these men a pass, and that's what she was raised on. So it's hard to really say, okay, so Me Too is out. You know what I mean? Hashtag uh, Time's Up is out. So I should just... If this is what all that you, it kind of goes back to what I was telling you earlier today. Right. Where Ducky, my mom, was just like, um, don't you ever leave the house with your face. Like, it's a, it's a pattern right. of what they're accustomed to. This, right. I don't care that it's 2018. Right. I'm from 1950, and I'm telling you that that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Or I'm telling you that you better just fucking hunker down, bitch. Right. Like, dig your heels in, mm-hmm. take a deep breath. And keep it moving. Right. We don't know nothing Which about no damn. Which is what she did. And, you know, we don't, we don't know about apps that help us to calm down right. or, you know, breathing technique. Like, that's not a part of their vernacular. That's not a right. part of who they are. So right. they don't know any other way. That's true. I so agree. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just saying that's how it I works agree. most of the time, unfortunately. I agree. And I don't mean to... I do give Marvin's mom a pass. Yeah. Because she was... You know, older even then. Exactly. You know I mean? Like Catherine. Can too. you imagine? Right? That's yeah. of a whole different. And you know what? I was game. just looking at a show on the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Their dad was a monster to them. Really? Oh my God. His name was Murray. Murray. I think Murray. Murray, Murray the murderer. Murray, Murray Wilson. Okay. Murray was mean to the Beach Boy. Like, their dad was like a pusher. Like, you sound horrible. They even have tapes of them talking oh all God. kinds of How were they able to record something like that? Dennis was a genius, and he, he got to the point, though, it affected him like it did Marvin. Right. Like it did Michael. You know, where it affects you when you're, you know, physically, mentally, abuse is it. Mental abuse imagine. does the worst, I think, on somebody. It's all bad. Abuse any, attached to anything is bad. But it's like when I looked at that, that bio documentary on them, it was like it was on Reels Channel. People can go see it. But um, it's called Breaking the Band, I think. And it talked about bands like the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize what Murray Wilson did to his sons, right. Dennis, um, there was a younger brother, and then another brother, and he was just relentlessly mean. So, but anyway, uh, anyway, so Marvin, Motown started pressuring Marvin. Right. Because <laughs> I got to get back into it. I go on for <laughs> yeah. hours. Motown pressured Marvin to do another duet album, and this time it was with Diana Ross. And at first he refused because after Tammy, he told them there'd be no more duets. Oh, wow. But he, he was couldn't. really ha- affected by that. That was his girl. Clearly. And that was even his without girl. any type of. No romance at all. Oh, that was wow. His, that was his sister. That was his Aww. little sister. That was his. And she, you know what? That was probably what you would call the closest to unconditional love. Amen. There was no sex. As it should be. There's yeah, it was just nothing but friendship. It. it was almost like a family love. Exactly. Of, like, you know how somebody says, that's my little sister, and they love them beyond, beyond. like you with your son. Right. Unconditional love. Unconditional. He loved him. I don't Tammy. need you to show up as this type of person or this type of I like you I just lo- the way just you the way are. Just the way you are. I will love the shit out of you. Wouldn't anybody love to be loved like that? 
Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I hope my son appreciates it. He, I, oh, he does. I don't have that unconditional love from anyone else on this earth. Except so. for your son. He loves you. Yeah, he that's, is. That's he a loves gift. me. I don't know that he adores me. Isn't it? Oh, well, I think so. Let's You'd not surprised. get into that. You know You'd he has a man child. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, never mind. We, we so won't. We won't. Love, we won't. We won't. Yes, yes. Right. It's mommy love. Mommy uh, love. Exactly. It's mommy yeah. love. It's not the same. Well, Marvin loved his mom. We'll see how just how much by how the end of this. We're going to find out okay. just how much Marvin loved his I'm mom. I'm ready. So, okay, he refused to do the duet album with Diana mm-hmm. because, you know, he had told them before, look, after Tammy, no more duet albums. Right. I'm just going to do this. But he couldn't help it, you know, because he was intrigued because Diana had a successful movie in Lady, Lady Sing the Blues, and that was, that's right. the movie about our girl. That is the movie of the times about, that stand still. About his right idol. Now. Yeah. No, Billy, that's really Billy like Holiday. one of the great movies of all time. It yeah, really, I love that. Really I love is. Mahogany. Mahogany. Oh, I was about to say. I thought I'm getting it too confused. Mahogany is definitely up there. I saw the Mahogany. I was I was like really young. I didn't know what the hell was going on when I saw Mahogany, but that's one of the greatest. I love Mahogany. Never I don't mind. Know that you we, can. No, no, no. Car wash and Mahogany. So I was like, wait a minute, what's happening yeah. right now? I love Mahogany. <clears throat> People need to go see Mahogany. I agree. Rent it. Rent uh, it. It's worth it. Diana Ross, when she went, Pepe, or whatever she said, something, when yes! she was yelling at them, the workers. Yeah. Oh my yes, God. Yeah, let's go. Let it go. Let yeah. it go. Y'all yes. got people to do And Anthony, Anthony, the dude who played Psycho. He played Norman Bates. He was her, played her lover in the movie. Oh, he was a nut. He was a nut. Ooh, Remember when they were boy? like about the tra- it was it was um uh, now I gotta look it up. But <laughs> he was the one. Remember they're in the car and he's like, "Look at me!" Right, look right. At she's me. like, "Okay, okay, okay," and she's pulling no, no, her no, hair. Right. And she's like, "Okay, yeah, all right, whatever." And, look and, at me. Yes, the look at me. Just crashed, me. And he and they crashed and he died. And he died, girl. Dang, but that that's was, all he wanted was infamy. He wanted right? love. Yeah, he, he wanted infamy. He, he yes, that's wanted true. Two, three he wanted infamy. I mean, I'm sorry, two, three generations. And I remember Billy D. Williams was in. Anthony Perkins. That's his name? Anthony Perkins. Remember Anthony Perkins with Norman Bates? That's right. And and Billy D. Williams was in it. And Come on Billy now. D. Williams. The fact that like, we're saying that as an afterthought. Oh my God. I love that movie. Anyway, God bless you. Man. Talk. <laughs> God bless you, Barry Gordy, just for that. Amen. I read though that Diana Ross, and I'm digressing, I, I may keep this in or not, but that she was so, her and Barry Gordy were at the end of their uh, working romance mm-hmm. relationship, and she slapped him like on the, like one of the last days of the shoots because Barry Gordy directed it or something or mm-hmm. produced it or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and she slapped him. Wow! And left the set. But anyway, all but right, anyway. that's diva stuff. <laughs> but um, anyway, the chemistry when he he said fine, she did Lady Sings the Blues. I'm intrigued by this. I'm going to do this. And it was a wrong idea because the chemistry was all wrong between them. Marvin would wander in, sipping wine, smoking a joint, mm-hmm. ready to sing because he, he's like, I'm Marvin Gaye, boo. Right. I can sing anything. Right, right, and right. Diana was a little bit more insecure. She was also more formal. Mm-hmm. Plus, she was pregnant. So that, that, had that a pushing a dad a lot to do it. You don't want to be smelling marijuana smoke when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and adding insult to injuries, of course, according to certain people, he sang circles around her. He's Marvin Gaye. Mm. But um, they recorded. They started recording their parts separately. 
Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, they had to. Who made that choice? It might have been Dinah. She's if she's pregnant and he's yeah, smoking she's like, he's weed. Doing too much. She's like, this is just he's dramatic, right? You know I mean? And I'm not I'm mad not at his mood. singing. I'm just not. I'm just the not one. in the mood. I get so, it. I get it. In 1973, Marvin was arrested on Sunset Strip for pot for pot possession, but Motown lawyers got him out of it in a matter of hours. They oh, buried good. the story because Tip ain't get out of it in a matter of hours. <laughs> I'm sorry, I digress, but it just makes me think of. You know what I mean? T.I. was down and out. T.I. Really? was on Sunset and got arrested for doing a U-turn. When? Girl, this was years ago. When he first went back to jail. Do you know why he named himself T.I.? Um, well, they named him, his friends named him Tip. It was Tip, yes. And you know and who he, he took he, the P off because it was just, I forget why. Because why? he would be mistaken for Q-tip. Oh, Q-tip, exactly. Yeah, so he, and I think that was one of his mentors. That I makes think. sense, though. Yeah, and They're he very different styles. Yeah, because even what his wife, um, Tiny. Uh, Tiny, names him Tip, if you notice. Yeah, that everybody was, calls him Tip. That's his nickname. That's his actual nickname. That is nickname. his actual nickname. Everybody and in the business calls him Tip. He didn't want to call, he didn't, it would have been confusing with Q-tip. And they're and so him. different. I'm sure he wanted to set the standards because and be set himself is apart. dope as Ugh, oh my but god! But he's a different Q-tip. kind of rapper. I love Q-tip, yeah. He comes from a different Tripod quest. Yeah, that's, that's a whole from, different genre. Yes. So Ti is like a well, kind of, and you don't want to be gangster rap. I hate that. No, not gangster rap. But you don't want to be even mistaken by somebody like Q-tip. exactly. You want to be you want to be your, your own thing. Ti yeah. is good. Yeah, I know it's somebody great. at work who's like in love with Ti. He's a good guy, yeah. and you know I was very attracted to him for a long time. Yeah, like even with him being like a little guy because he's so skinny. I don't really. Is he? Is he tall? Yeah. No, he's a shorty wop and he's skinny. And I was like, uh. but yeah, those the, are the, the ones power that, you that can't, you exactly. Can't, I'm saying once he deny. walks in the room, though, he he's commands. charismatic. He's extremely he's charismatic. He's extremely well spoken. He knows he's articulate. He extremely. uses his intelligence as he kind of wields it. Mm. And I just told you how attracted to that I am. Like everybody I, is. Oh uh, no, there are lots of women that can give a fuck. You ain't got to oh. be able to put two sentences together. They don't care. Oh, but there are lots of women that would. Yeah, and. Only because he's T.I., he's cute. He's handsome. Yeah, he's an attractive guy, I guess. It was just more (laughs) about him being, like, super smart and being well-read and being able to put two and two together. Kind of like Tupac. Either way. Like Tupac. Well, Tupac fine as fuck, too. Yes, he was. And he could put two sentences and write poetry like no other. man. I can't even imagine being just the friend. Big ups to you, Jada. Well, you know, in my my left eye, uh, our left eye, uh, Rockabies. Mm-hmm. She loved Tupac. Who? Left Eye. Oh yeah, I know. And they, she says, I have to be friends. He told her, we can only be friends, right? Because if I have sex with you, it's gonna be something else. I won't respect you after that, or right. I won't. I won't. I'll look It'll at just you be a different. I'll look right. It so wasn't even that he wouldn't respect. It's different. Not respect. You're right. Hmm. It would be. We. I have the. I don't have the paperwork here, but he said basically we need to stay. Just platonic. But how dope is that that a man who usually has the exact opposite in terms of what they wanted or what they, you right. know what I mean? Right. For He's him to set upsetting. that standards is pretty dope. Yeah, that's Tupac. Yeah, that's great. Dope. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> oh, so I know. You could just go on and on, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, in 1973, we were talking about gotten it. 
getting out of the pot possession charge, he began negotiating a new contract with Motown that would give him the kind of royalty percentages which, for the first time in his career, would make him a fortune. So he considered divorcing Anna and Barry, you know, Mm. but in both instances he feared the unknown, and that's what kept him close to Motown and to Anna. Mm -hmm. And But those concerns would be diminished when he started working on uh, his new album, uh, Let's Get It On, Mm -hmm. because during the making of that album and during the actual recording of that song, an obsession walked into the studio, a 17-year-old obsession. walked into the studio as he's recording Let's Get It On. And if you listen to him sing Let's Get It On, Janice Gay, Janice Hunter at the time, walked into the studio. Who's Janice Hunter? That became his second wife. Okay. Janice, known as Mommy. Right. Known as Mommy. She was 17 years old, and Uh she was a high schooler named Janice Hunter. Uh Uh-huh. Now... There was a guy named Ed Townsend who was a frequent collaborator of Marvin, especially on Let's Get It On. Okay. And Janice's parents were friends of Ed Townsend. Mm-hmm. So that's why she came to visit. Her mom, Barbara, bought her, brought her to the studio to meet Marvin. And that night, with Janice listening, he gave 100% to that recording of Let's Get It On. And you hear it. When you hear Let's Get It On, guys, you're hearing him sing to Janice Gay. Nice. Yes, you are. He worried about, he fell in love with her, from I think, from the moment on. Wow. He was 17 years old. She, she was, was 17, 17 years, years old. old. Sorry. When did he get was, a divorce from Homegirl, from the gay? Oh, from, that's um, coming up. Man, it's crazy. It's coming up. But mind you, um, Anna was 17 years older than Marvin and Marvin was at this time 17 years older than Janice. Mm. Isn't that crazy? So we're kind of like history repeating itself, right? Just mm-hmm. on the opposite end. And um, that's synchronicity. It right? is. And it probably worked better the second time around just because we as women, call it whatever you want, do your research. We just kind of mature faster than y'all, so you probably can't play and catch up anyway. It is, but seventeen is really too young. I wouldn't want my daughter. Wait, to know oh her, God, so no! no man. Oh, but I got I got a story for you. I got two stories for you. Okay. First of all, Ed Townsend. Mm-hmm. People can look up. I, living here, you know where I live here in L.A. Mm-hmm. There used to be a guy who would always be around the neighborhood. And um, and by the way, Ed Townsend had two sons. Mm-hmm. His son ended up homeless, and I used to see him, and I did not know his name. His name is Michael Townsend, okay. and I did not know. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say he was homeless, but he was, and I don't know whatever happened to Michael. Mm-hmm. But I happened to be talking to him one day, and you know, being that I've always been a huge Marvin Gaye fanatic, he brought up about. 
um, his dad. And I was like, Ed Townsend. He's like, yeah, my dad is a collaborator on Let's Get It On. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And I was like, yeah. And he said, my brother was the lead singer of Surface. Only you right, can, can make, make me happy. happy. That's his brother. That's, That's Ed crazy. Townsend's son. He said, my brother died at 50 of a heart attack. Mm. I didn't know. And so I thought he must be joking, right? Mm. I go and do my research. I'm like, oh, my God, Michael, he, that is him. I go back to him, and I was like, Michael, oh, my God, I did. Like, what happened? Right, right, right. You know what he said to me? I was uh. like, well, how did you end up like, what? What's this? Right. He said, I fell in love with somebody, and it was just love. I got rejected or something he said. Mm. It was crazy, but I've never seen Michael again. I don't know what happened to Michael. Wow. I don't know what happened to Michael, but I always talk to him when I'd see him around the neighborhood. Right. And, you know, being in California, the weather's always good, so (laughs) So, who knows? So people is out. Exactly. Second story, Janice was a neighbor of me and my mom's. What? Yes. The irony. This was years ago. This is before I met Michael. If Mm -hmm. I had only knew that I was going to meet Ed's son years later, but I knew Janice years before. Right. Lovely, beautiful woman next door. Mm -hmm. She was incredible. Nona was really sweet, too. She sounds like I would love to interview Nona. dope ass name, Nona. Nona, I know. They called her Pie. Her nickname was Pie. How'd she get that I don't know. It might have been from Marvin or her mom. I love that. That was her name, Pie. But I never called her Pie. I didn't know. Right. You're like, I don't think that's my way. I only knew it from reading reading up on him. Yeah. She probably would have side-eyed you anyway. That's like someone calling me my name name, like what my mama named me, Mm -hmm. and then somebody being like, hey, Kitty. Yeah, Kitty is going to work better for you. (laughs) Don't try to jump out there. You know what I mean? Like, I hate that when people try to, hey, Kali, you don't know me. You don't know me. Actually, people needing to call you Kali and not if you're if people if your dad had called you just Kitty and your mom had just called you Kitty. Exactly. No, it's my family. My mother, my son, my they all whomever. Call you they Kitty. all no, 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 no. They Kali. call me Kali. Yeah, oh, they're man. like, why would they? Yeah, no, no, I invented. I that understand. Shit. I love yeah. it. So love you can it. appreciate that, right? Exactly. As I'm sure. So she that does. she does. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's just I read it up. I read it in Genesis bio in. And the whole thing on Marvin that they called her Pie. But anyway, Janice, I said, was the daughter of a friend of Ed Townsend. And her mom bought her that night. And Marvin worried about it. He was instantly attracted to her. Mm -hmm. And he worried about how everyone would react to her age. Plus, he was still married, okay? And he was 33 years old. And he's married at that time to a 53-year-old woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, 53, sheesh. Yes. And he created a complex autobiographical album again, Mm -hmm. a serious inner monologue about, you know, philosophy and spiritual matters. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to Let's Get It On, you know, uh, think about it. Let's Get It On. All those songs he was talking about, Janice, all those songs in that album. What was the album that the judge said you have to make this in order to? We get into that. Okay, my keep bad. Keep that one. Keep that one. Keep that one. It's gotta coming go, up right go. now. It's coming up in like five seconds. Because I think that's just seconds. the best. Coming how up that in turned out. five minutes. But Got I want to say that when it came to Marvin Gaye, I want to talk about his writing styles for just a second. No lyrics were pre-written before he started singing. Mm-hmm. Marvin did his vocals from the console. 
where he sat at, he never even bothered to go on to the other side of the glass to sing. Right. That's because he's so dope and he's Marvin Gaye. <laughs> so for the most part, everybody listening, he sang sitting down right there at the controls. Wow. Mar- so he could have been an engineer slash artist. Completely. And never stood up. Recording artist. That's so fucking dope. Recording artist. Gotcha. Marvin said that he would mumble things into the microphone. And he doesn't even know what he's saying. And he said, I didn't even try and figure it out. And he said he would just relax. And those mumbles finally turned into words. He said it's a slow, evolving process, but something like what a flower would do to grow. But you can only be Marvin Gaye and do that. Right. I was about to say, what? So you mumbling? Mumbles turn into words that happen to be, let's get it on. (laughs) And, you know, all these wonderful songs. Yeah. You gotta love that. Exactly. So released in the summer of 1973, Let's Get It On was an immediate hit. And it was the biggest hit of Gay's career. And it Mm -hmm. leapt to like number one on all the charts, of course, and earned him the wealth that he'd always longed for. Mm -hmm. And the thing, the album sold over four million copies at the time. And that's a big deal back then. Mm -hmm. Um, But Marvin being Marvin, he had one little last crazy demand. He wanted Barry Gordy to personally sign a check of a million dollars to make out to him, like one of those big checks. <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. It has to be Barry only. I don't want to hear about nobody else in Motown, just Barry. <laughs> so Barry, before he stepped onto a plane to go somewhere, blew up a check a uh, hundred times in his size and presented it to Marvin. How about it? That's Marvin Gaye. And was it accepted? Was it yes. rejected? No, he loved it. That's what he wanted. He got his demand made. Good for him. I want to say, you know, I was just re- looking at an interview today on Lizzie Buckingham mm-hmm. of Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. And Dan Rather asked, and this made me think of Marvin Gaye. Dan Rather asked him, I don't know if you know about the, the album Rumors, with like, um, with the song, it sold, it sold over 40 million copy. So I would tell people to go out and listen to Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Okay. So, oh, that's what I was wondering who yeah, the artist like, is. Like, yeah, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, the album. It's like um, the song uh, Thunder Only Happens when it's right. It's a lot of great songs on there that yeah. became a mega hit. Yeah. And it's because, you know, he was with Stevie Nicks. Okay. People don't know this. Okay. When he got with Fleetwood Mac, when they said, will you join our band, Lindsey Buckingham? Right. Lindsey said, you can't, I won't join you unless you bite my girlfriend on. And that was Stevie Nicks. Ah! That's how they got Stevie Nicks. God, I love So that. they went to Christine McVie, right. who was the pianist, pianist or the keyboardist. Kristen McVie? Christine McVie, yeah. Catherine McVie is a big star right now. McPhee. So. McPhee, you're yes. right, you're right, you're right. And she's right, engaged right, to right. David Foster. Yes. Right. Yes. So he, they went to Christine McVie, the keyboardist at the time, and uh-huh. said, do you mind another woman coming on to this joint? Right. And she said, I don't mind. So that's how Stevie Nicks became lead singer of Fleetwood Mac. Wow. So her and Lindsay brought this whole other, another songwriting element to it, because, you know, she's an incredible songwriter, Stevie Nicks, who mm-hmm. I love, and Lindsey Buckingham, and they wrote a lot of the hits along with Christine McVie. Mm-hmm. So they Dan Rather said... When you came across rumors, when you started doing the album, Lindsay and and Stevie had been together over ten years, and they were breaking up. Mm. And and Christine McVie was married to John McVie, the bassist in Fleetwood Mac, and mm-hmm. they were getting a divorce. And he said it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to explain because the album. He said that album was based on a moment. 
And I think that's probably what people went for, the authenticity of it all. And he said that you got to understand most people when they're breaking up, they don't have to look at each other exactly. day in and day out. We had to look at each other and Ooh. all those songs of like, go your own way, right. which is what he wrote. And then um, uh, Rihanna and all those songs, mm-hmm. you know, they all came in and wrote those songs. And that was, he said it was based off of a moment. And I think in Marvin Gaye's, in his whole thing, it's funny how, now that I think about it, I'm thinking out loud, mm-hmm. Let's Get It On was based off of a moment, the breakup of his marriage, like it was already estranged. Right. And then the feelings that he had, the overwhelming feeling, the obsessive feelings he had for Janice because he would admit Janice was an obsession for him. Right. And that was based off of a moment. So all those, you know, songs off of Let's Get It On is all based on, you know, you just Some hear fleeting artistry. Information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Artistry at its best. At its best. Like with Fleetwood Mac. Right. So, you know, in May 1974, Marvin built up his nerve and flew to Jamaica mm-hmm. to perform in a benefit concert for Bob Marley and the Wailers. What? They opened for him. That and is we a talked big about it on deal. Bob. First of all, he loved Bob Marley. He admired Bob Marley so much because he said Bob Marley wrote about the consciousness yeah. of, of it all. And um, by the way, we got another bottle of wine, Kitty. So it's it's waiting for you. But he greatly admired Bob. They this I want to say this, and this is in our um, this is in our. Rockabye's podcast on Bob Marley is that this concert would be the last concert that Peter Tosh and Bunny would play with Bob. Mm. It's the Marvin Gaye. And in fact, Marvin's uh, the the Marvin's manager would go on to um, manage Bob Marley. Right. That's a whole nother story in exactly. itself, guys. If you exactly. listen to the Rockabye's because it went into violence, but we won't go into that. But anyway, right. around 1974, Marvin and Janice moved in together in a house in Topanga Canyon. They had two Great Danes named Shad and Caesar, and it was peaceful for Marvin. And Marvin would remember it. He'd say, I'd never tire of gazing at the water with enough mourning Smoke a little herb, listen to the songs of the birds, the sound of the wind, the rustle of the leaves. A million musical ideas came to my mind. A sweet, sweet, and that's S-U-I-T-E. Wait a minute. A suite of natural noises, each one more enchanting than the other, is what Mm. Marvin Gaye would say. Isn't it the artist's real job to learn from nature instead of churning out pop hits? Shouldn't the truly talented among us be listening to the flutter of a butterfly's wing? Well, damn. Oh, if I could only reproduce the delicacy of that sound. For a moment or an hour or even a day, I'd set my sights on such tasks, convinced that this was my contribution to the world of serenity and peace. I was a man very deeply in love Thrilled that this woman had said that she loved me with all her heart. Right. And I wanted to live with her and didn't care what the world thought. That's deep. <laughs> that's a lot to say, right? Yeah. Like, that's unequivocal, completely enamored. I mean, it's so pure. 
The rest Beautiful. of the world doesn't need to co-sign what I believe that I believe that I feel for this woman. Right. I love it. That's awesome. But he still wasn't ready to expose their relationship to the public. He wanted her to have start having his children. And after, right after they got together, she became pregnant, but she had a miscarriage. Mm. Um, because his album sold a lot and were burning up the charts, Motown and the promoters were pressuring him it relentlessly to go on tour. Right. And as we know, he resisted because of his stage fright and fear of flying. And the more he refused, the bigger the offers and the money. Of course. And he finally relented because he supported a lot of people, including his parents. Mm-hmm. Including his shiftless dad. Right. And most importantly, Janice did become pregnant again at the beginning of 1974, which was a blow to Anna. I kind of feel bad for Anna at this point. Exactly. So they moved out of Topanga Canyon, though, when someone slit the throats of Shad and Caesar, the the Great Danes. Yeah. What? Yeah. Come on, expound on that. They woke up one morning and those dogs were dead, and it scared him. As it should. It scared him. Here's another shame. Here's another shame. The album wasn't nominated for a Grammy. What? So he was like, what the fuck? I have to deal with all of this on top of this and that. Huge hit again. Right. Nothing. That's horrible. I know. So... With the four-woman backup group called The Ladies' Choice and a 20-piece orchestra, Marvin Gaye hit the road in the summer of 1974. He wore the beaded jeans. Remember, people see the beaded jeans and that embroidered skull cap that Mm -hmm. he started wearing, which became his trademark look. And I read in Janice's book that that look was her idea. Really? Yeah. She said that she's the one who gave him the idea about all that, which is great. It is great. Yeah, she she was probably more hip. Marvin admitted that everyone loved the tour that he went on except him. Mm. He admitted to doing drugs in his normal life, but on the road, the quantities triple. Yeah. You know, he said, I'm always looking for extra energy, another little kick in the booty. Mm. So there I am smoking and snorting up a storm, suffering with a nervous stomach from all these airplanes. I got to take staying airplanes. I got to take staying up all night and trying to sleep, trying to relax. And the phone is ringing and the promoters are screaming. Yeah, as someone that's never been an artist, I mean, I'm talent, but I'm not an artist. And there's a difference. Talent means that, you know, you're in front of the camera nine times out of ten, pulling off different kind of, mostly hosting responsibilities, unless you're an actor. But I can't fathom what that must be like. I mean, I hear that going on the road Mm -hmm. is probably the toughest part of an artist, a a recording artist's job. I can see that. I can see that, too. Physically. I mean, physically, it is... And if that's your only income, that kicks your ass. Can you you are on stage trying to give the yeah. people what they want, building up this energy. Like you have to. I'm not suggesting that you do drugs, but like, where do you draw that from? Because I got more energy than a little bit. And or I, when you go, or when you come off after oh. being, you know, all that high energy, and then you come to a damn bus. You can't even go lie down in a room, and and even if you go, you gotta like wind down, like you right. You gotta mentally, decompress. Because yes. guess what? At six a.m. tomorrow, we're back at it, mm-hmm. and you gotta 
freaking dream walk. What's it called when you dream when you walk? Sleepwalk. Sleepwalk, girl. You don't do she moonwalk. She said moonwalk. No, when you sleepwalk to the bathroom <laughs> so you can wash your ass. <laughs> I would think though that would be kind of dope if I could just sleepwalk to the bathroom, wash my ass, yes. and come out bucket naked and just stand there, <laughs> have people you style can do that me. Now. You do no. that now. I mean, it's like the queen. I can't even fathom that. So That's again, true. I'm not suggesting that anybody go out and do cocaine. Right. But I can understand why you would. What do you mean? You, you don't want to do yeah, yo? Nah, good. I'm good on the cocoa, baby. I'm good. I'm cannabis all day. <laughs> I don't need to graduate from cannabis. You don't ever. go to yeah, yo? No, yeah, no. Yo. I cut down my drinking immensely. That's why when I left it yesterday, I was like, wait a minute, Dad, drink an entire bottle of wine. That's the beauty of. But you know to what? That is the beauty of it, and the I don't know if it's a good thing or bad that my body after so many years, the top. No, who the fuck drinks mm-hmm. an entire bottle by themselves? And not, it's not that many glasses. It's really not, but it's a lot enough no. when it comes to driving and all that. And I was. Cool, like I wasn't. Mm. Anyway, my point is cannabis is my thing, so that's probably what I should just continue to remember. But it does, it saddens me to think that they had to rely on all of these alternative, Crutches. yeah, in order for them to make it. Even, even I saw a thing on James Brown and the stuff that he did is, I mean, just to perform is like exactly. no joke, no joke, because people pay their <clears> hard earned money, so they come to see a show, you can't dial it in. Right. You can't doubt. That's not. That's just funny. I just saying that word just reminded me of a couple of different scenarios where I saw celebrities dialing in, and I was so mad at the performance. Like, really? That's yeah. Funny. Me too. I fucking hate it. Yeah. Just don't it. don't say yes. Don't say I'll be there. Don't say I'll do it. Take the money. Right. Because it's all about. That's what it becomes. At the end of the day, that becomes your motivation. How it's so necessary for you to chase that check. Cardi said it best. Got I love million dollar deals, bitch. With my pen, I'm signing. <laughs> like that's how I be, though. You that's know what true. I mean? that's you true. want that? You want that? But um, you want to get your money's worth, like a Bruno Mars show, right? I was about to say, not solidarity. What's the word when you're substantially like you're stable? You want that stability? Yeah. So you're willing to do what's necessary in order to make. But then you have, like I said, you half-ass it or you dial it into your fans, and that's not fair to us. That's true. I'd much rather you do half the shows. You know what I mean? Where yeah. I might have to drive up to Anaheim or the OC or some yeah. bullshit because you can't make it to LA because it's just not enough. Well, Marvin wasn't a performer. Yeah. He wasn't a performer. He said he's a recording scary. artist. Yeah, they just kept throwing that money right. at him, throwing them bucks, them bucks at That's him. That's what happened, baby. So, and we'll see. It right. gets to be that way. Oof. Anyway. I mean, I'll, I'll take that back. Me personally, I'll take that. But not to sell my soul. Like, I'm not about he, that. He, he. We'll get to that part. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, God! Yeah. So in September of 1974, Janice gave birth to Nona. Mm. Nona Aisha, and they nicknamed her Pie. I love her nickname and her name name. Yeah, it is. I know, right? Her name name and her nickname. Yeah. I know. He Marvin was over the moon. He Naomi. adored her. Of course. She looks a lot like him too. Yeah. And when the tour finally wound down. Wound down, wind down. Wind it down. Wind it down. Wound down at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. They moved out of Topanga permanently and rented a spacious apartment for himself, Jan and Pie in Brentwood. A well-to-do, people don't know it's a well-to-do suburb in people L.A. People know, girl. They know, you know why they know? Right. Because of O.J. That's Thank true. You very much, O.J. O.J. Oh, Brentwood. Brentwood That's right. That's yeah, true. Brentwood is right up there with, like, uh, UCLA and... Beverly Hills, right right by Beverly Hills. 
Century City and all that's not by Beverly Hills. Probably. Brentwood isn't by Be- Century City. Brentwood is right down the street from Century City. It's behind UCLA. And look, the... No, the, you're right. You're right. You're right. What I'm picture. Okay, okay. You're right. UCLA. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking about? What? UCLA is way past Century City. Exactly. You know what I'm thinking about? What? Um, Damn it, now I can't think of it. What is that area called? The Bruins, the UCLA, the hospitals right there. That's Westwood. Westwood. Yeah. Thank you mm-hmm. for the clarification. Yeah, no worries. About. That's Westwood. Yes. Yep. Westwood is the dopest. But for the people all around the world. You're right. My bad. Wouldn't yes. It's not your bad, it's your good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so two things happened in early so 19. 19- they moved out of Topanga Canyon. Yes, and in early 1975. Something happened to add to Marvin's instability financially and emotionally. Janice became pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Anna filed for divorce. Mm. And those that would take two years for the proceedings to finalize, mm-hmm. which would be until like 1977. And so now sometime during this period, this is, this is interesting, Dionne Warwick wanted Marvin to produce her. So Marvin agreed... And wrote some songs, picked out some songs, mm-hmm. set up a meeting. And over at the studio, Dion was telling Marvin which songs she liked, which what she didn't like. And when Marvin excused himself, he called his lawyer into the next room. He's like, look, she's too picky. Oh. She's too aggressive. I don't want to work with her. Wow. The lawyer said, look, we've already signed the contract. Right, right. That's not going to happen. The deal's done. Right. He said, then undo it because I'm gone. And he walked out the back door and left the lawyer to explain. I tell you, this fame shit is amazing, isn't it? Artists. I wish I could tell somebody, <laughs> yes, well, fucking handle it and just undo walk it. away. Who undo are you it. talking to? And I'm gone. And I'm gone. Right. So it's not even just my words. Well, he, like I'm you know how he liked to pre- record. He liked to do things at his own. Okay, well, bruh. <laughs> he signed the contract. Anyway. He signed it. Yeah. Still. It ain't even like that shit is still on the table for he's debate. Like, he's like, forget it. Forget it. I don't want to do that. So in 1975, with the second shot on the way, in order to spite Anna, he bought an estate in Hidden Hills, and that, isn't that where the Kardashians live in Hidden Hills? I guess. For Janice, known in their soon-to-be-born infant, <laughs> it contained a pool, spa, hot tub, regulation-sized basketball mm. court, horse stable, at least 14 cars. That's why he didn't have that much money. Exactly. I was about to say, that's why he ain't Spending got no damn much. coin. Yeah, he had you don't no even ride horses, black man. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Horse stable. I know, he had horse stable. He had no concept of money. He didn't even pay taxes. Clearly. He didn't even pay taxes. So his son, Frankie, would be born. Actually, Frankie, you know, his brother, the one that he wrote was going on. His name was Frankie. I think Aww. he gave him his namesake, yeah. So he would be born November 1975, a day after his namesake, which is Marvin's brother, was born. So that's, that's why awesome. I named him Frankie. Yeah. I love that. Besides the birth of Frankie and the divorce filing in 75, Marvin started working on the album I Want You, mm. which was released in 1976. And the title song was co-written by Dinah Ross's brother, T-Boy, and the producer, Leon Ware. Mm-hmm. And so the song I Want You was co-written by Diana's brother. Nice. And Leon said that Marvin recorded the song I Want You lying on a sofa in the studio.
want to say that Marvin was so creative during this time because even though he was doing copious amounts of cocaine, mm. and sometimes he would keep them waiting for three hours or more. Girl. In addition, he halted production seven several times to party, which is, um, you know, but he said that, you know, like the favorite song on the album, which is one of my favorite personal Marvin Gaye songs, is After the Dance. Mm. And the album was recorded partly at the Motown Studios, then completed at the end of the year at Marvin's new studios. Marvin had his own studios up the street in Hollywood. And you got to love all of that, except that those are not investments that actually reap benefits. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure they paid for it because it's their artist. Right, exactly. They, They had the money. So like Let's Get It On, the album wasn't what it appeared to be. It wasn't an argument for free sex, as people thought, but rather another expression of his deep-seated desire for domestic bliss. Mm. It was, in fact, a love poem to Janice, um, whose actual name he cried out twice in the course of singing. Mm. And the candid story... You mean like Chris Brown? Karoshi! <laughs> yes, but without all the without other all stuff. the Kutcher marks. He, you just yes. want me to say your name? Okay. Go around Jack. Yeah, no. That that that, that, <laughs> that wasn't Marvin. He actually yeah. his obsession. Yeah. She was his obsession. She was. And so he proposed to Janice on that on that record actually. Mm. So he had a, a huge preoccupation with Janice's physical and spiritual being. But the pure public loved I Want You. I loved the, the lead oh, song. Yeah. The album sold over a million copies. And during 1976, even as it was working its way up the charts, mm-hmm. the tide turned against Marvin again. Um, he admitted to doing everything he could to antagonize Anna. Mm. Uh, and he raised the stakes in the divorce, which could only take more of his money, even though he it didn't matter if it took more of his money. It was just pure self-punishment is what they said. That's so unfortunate. It. Yeah. When you don't have a higher power, I feel like revenge and vengeance becomes like love. It becomes like anything else. Yeah. It's on the same playing field. And that's I just so, think so he sad. had a lot of... Um, Resentment, but that's my point. Resentment, Mm -hmm. anger, anything to do with getting back at Mm -hmm. somebody—it's just—it breaks my heart to think that you put that much time, energy, money, effort, whatever. And I'm sure she was mad too about the fact that you moved on with your girlfriend and have children. They're not even divorced. Okay. So his money ran out because of his exorbitant overhead. Right. Uh, He made a series of bad investments, except for one investment. Even though he still didn't pay his taxes and the IRS hounded him crazy, this guy named Wallace Amos Mm -hmm. had been a show business agent with William Morris. And in fact, he had booked the Supremes on Dick Clark tour that resulted in their first hit in 1964. One of America's greatest salesmen, Wallace, persuaded Marvin to invest 25% in his business for 13% of Famous Amos's Cookie Adventure. Oh, I love it. That's who That's Wallace one of my Amos. Favorite cookies. Yeah, that is Ooh. who Marvin first inve- he invested. I did not know that. Twenty five thousand dollars in Famous Those Amos because he knew him. That's what's up. They were friends. So Marvin's steady use of cocaine took his toll. Yeah. He created, you know, these plots of friends and colleagues trying to cause. He thought they're trying to take my money. Mm-hmm. He always. 
just thought people around him were trying to take his money, which he didn't have much right, of. Right. And he caused a lot of the problems. That caused a lot of the problems between him and Janice. And then he'd suffer the consequences. He 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 loved suffering. You know, yeah. we talked about melodramatic. He I loved suffering. I have a guy like that. My ex yeah. is like that. He, he, like, he always is talking about, yeah, I'm over here suffering in silence. Like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? Some people love it. Some people, yeah. This like fueled his... deprecating Yeah. This fueled his creativity, actually. Also, remember we talked about how what Marvin said about Anna when she was um, when she had cheated on him, and he said it kind of like turned him on to think of her having sex with other men. Wow! Yesterday, well, when we did that first taping, so Marvin started pressuring Janice into the sick fantasy of sleeping with other men, so that he and so with other men sometimes he watched. He was a cuckold? He forced what? her into doing it. He forced her into doing it. His wow. mother said, his own mother said, he wanted Jan to go with other men. He pressured her relentlessly because he thought, because he was a lot older than her, and then you add drugs into the mix, mix which I'm sure weakened her, and it was awful for her. That's what his mom said. She, and Jan wrote a book about it. She talked about it in her book. Oh, you know? I got to read that. Yeah. And another source of tension is Janice wanted to have a singing career, and Marvin hated the idea. Uh, he allowed her to sing back up on Got to Give It Up. Remember the song? Allowed Got to give, her. Got to yeah. love that. Was his song. Hmm. It's his song. Okay. He allowed her to sing on his song. Got it. Back up. And, um, but after that, he never allowed her to record with him again. Wow. He's Marvin Gaye. So the fuck what? Yes, he's Marvin Gaye. So you tell your wife who has an aspiring career of her own, clearly she could sing or he wouldn't even have given her the job. And now just I can't sing with nobody else. You. She what? could Just go stay your ass in the kitchen <laughs> with no shoes on and have my babies? No. Oh. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's difficult when you start pressuring someone who has this super, you know, it's like, it's like I think it would be hard to have two actors in a you would think that, but I guess it really just depends because you don't want me to digress. But I just have a perfect couple. Well, so they appear to be. They said that before they even got married, like once he proposed, they started going to therapy. Not because they didn't want to end up Who? where it was, un- I'm about to tell you, where it was unsalvageable. They wanted to start with the tools that were necessary in order to make good choices and stay together for longevity. Now they have two kids and they seem very happy. Dak Shepard and what's my girl's name? <laughs> what is my girl? Because she's fucking hilarious. Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard have been, mem- have been married over five years. And you know, that's Ooh, the benchmark in Hollywood. That's not that long. It's not that long, but give them their no. five years. But they, I'm they not giving start, them five years. Oh, that's you're not just that long. mean. I don't <laughs> that's know. Not, that's I'll give it to long. you. Big ups to both of y'all for lasting in for this crazy ass entry. For now. They're in an industry that pulls them apart if they could every single day. <sighs> they have two kids. They make it work. They go on road trips. So the marriage between Anna and Marvin ended in ni- March of 1977. And Anna was asking for a million dollars to settle. Mm-hmm. Now, Marvin didn't have that kind of money because we saw what he did, buying up nonsense. So Marvin and his lawyer proposed paying her $600,000 by giving her the advance due to him from Motown for his next album. Mm-hmm. And that was $305,000, and then pay her the other $295,000 <laughs> from the earnings on that same album. And 
you can guess what the name of that album is. You talked about it. Is this the one where you went to court and the judge said all the proceeds that you received from this album need to go to your ex? Well, they negotiated that. Right, that was like before the, they went to court. I see. Him and his lawyer. Yeah, him and his lawyer negotiated. Which was a smart move on both their parts. Because she wanted a million dollars. Right. And he's and like, he, I don't have it. And guess what? He I got did only six hundred thousand. He did it though. So that album is called "You Talked About It." What? That all Here, about? my dear. Here, my dear. Everyone approved. She did, and that's what. So Marvin said. And he killed it, and he gave her that mill. Yeah, he Sorry, said no. at first I just do a quick. Actually, only gave us six hundred thousand. He gave mm-hmm. her the the advancement from Motown, uh, which was due him, mm-hmm. and then he the the remaining two hundred ninety five thousand dollars from the earnings would be from the earnings on that album, gotcha. whatever it came. Gotcha. But Marvin said. Everyone approved, which is court. That's mm-hmm. cool. But Marvin said, at first, I just I thought to myself, I'll do a quickie record, nothing heavy, nothing even good. Why should I break my neck when Anna was going to wind up with the money anyway? But the money, but the, money. But the more I live with the notion, the more it fascinated me. Mm. Besides, I owed the public my best effort. Amen. Finally, I did the record out of deep passion. It became an obsession. I had to free myself of Anna, and I saw this as the way. All those depositions and hearings, all those accusations and lies, I knew I'd explode if I didn't get all that junk out of me. So I had art, open up the mics, and I just sang and sang until I drained myself of everything I lived through. That took me three months, but then I held the album back for a year. I was afraid to let it go. You see, the divorce had cleaned me out. I'd really messed up my taxes, and a lot of the people I counted on were no longer there. In fact, they were suing me. And Here, My Dear is probably one of the most quintessential albums that people should listen to. Mm -hmm. My cousin, when I was a little kid, I remember my cousin came down from Connecticut. Yeah. And he said... Because I loved Marvin Gaye even as a little child, you I know mean, what I mean? Yeah, I well, just my uncles and music, stuff. Yeah, it comes naturally. And so our our cousin, as my affinity, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no worries. Like my affinity for um, who we were talking about earlier and his baby, Donny Hathaway, Layla Hathaway. I love Donny Hathaway. Huge, low key obsessed with them. She got a great song on the Hidden Figures soundtrack. She did. As she With should. With Pharrell, yeah, it's beautiful. She should. I just, she it was beautiful. It. She's, you know, she does a lot of work and she gets a lot of props on. Um, it wasn't American Idol. I want to say The Voice. Really? She worked on The Voice as one of the. I think it was. As she should. And it was though. great because I think it was Layla's either. So maybe it was American Idol. Maybe it was American Idol because one of the contestants on one of those shows sang a song for you, mm-hmm. and he said, "I just want to, you Thank know, her. he he he." Pay homage. Um, Hate homage to yeah. Donny Hathaway. Who As wouldn't love Donny Hathaway? Oh, Donny Hathaway no, was genius. He was so genius. I have to do a show on him. He is just brilliant. all them people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Brilliant, brilliant. hands down. But um, Chico, yes, I know. Is that you? Is that you, Donny? Are you and Chico? <laughs> so um, Anna came to. He invited Anna over to his studio to listen to the album. She listened to it in the control room of Marvin's studio while Marvin was upstairs in his loft. But he never came down. Mm. Anna didn't say much and left. And when the record was released, People Magazine reported that she was contemplating a $5 million invasion of privacy suit. (laughs) And it's like she said, I think he did it deliberately for the joy of seeing how hurt I could become. Mm. 
And does this album invade her privacy, Marvin replied to people. I'll have to give it another listen, but all's fair in love and war. Hmm. He released it in 1978 and it flopped. But he's right. You know, you don't agree to the terms. And then get in there and be like, oh, he's just trying to fuck. What did you think? Yeah. Did you think he was going to come in the studio and be like, but the let album, me celebrate exactly. our well, downfall. The deal, the deal is he also dealt with both sides. On that album, it's mm-hmm. a great song called This Is Anna's Song. Aww. It's so brilliant it and is. beautiful. I do know that song. I do. And When Did You Stop Loving Me? When did we, you know what I mean? He yes. really, it was really a, a psychology and a breakdown of the whole situation. And I read somewhere, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but mm-hmm. I did read somewhere recently that Brad Pitt had listened to that album, you know, after... To kind of... Uh, after, yeah, when everything, yeah, when everything, I think it went down between mm-hmm. him, that he would listen to it. I hope I so because... I love the human beings alone, whether you're famous, Marvin Gaye was such a genius. He can was, find oh. solace and happiness and some kind of, like, just... But you know your favorite song that you listen to when you're feeling down? Of course. You know, when you, who is your favorite? Who, who would you think of when well, you? Well, I mean, as it pertains to this, I, um, I You love Donny Hathaway. The, oh, my God, I adore Donny Hathaway. And that's the song I listen to. Of course, I'm horrible with name shit. I can't think of it. But I will say. Is it a song he did with Roberta Flack? No, it was a dolo. It was all by, it was a solo song. It was, uh, there's a few songs that he sang solo. Yeah. Um, well, this guy in particular that I'm referencing, mm-hmm. we've been doing this little double Dutch act for five and a half, close to six years now. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it needs to be over. It, it, you, we, you either, we either going to shit or get off the pot. Do you know what I mean? So right. I'm not really sure what it is. I'm not about to get into the details of that mm-hmm. nonsense. But right. the point is that oftentimes I do listen to Donnie Hathaway just to kind of make you it just, to the night. Because the nighttime is yeah. always the worst, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, it is true. And, you know, it's so sad when you think about Donnie because... You know, he struggled with um, schizophrenic, even though before Donnie Hathaway, and I'm put this in air quotes, jumped off of the, when he jumped off the building yeah. in that floor in New York, he was saying that there were people out to get me. So, yeah, schizophrenia does that to you. And the well, part he might have owed money, you know, during that time. Yeah. I, I still got to do it. I mean, but if you're diagnosed with schizophrenia, you know what I mean? He had been taking his medication, but then he would stop. That yeah. was the problem. And that is the problem. If you're not yeah. consistent with it, it's not effective. I know. It's like I anything love else. Donnie. You can't say, like, I'll keep my car running. Sometimes I'll put mm-hmm. gas. Sometimes I won't. Yeah, you can't do you that. You can't do it like it that. It won't run when it doesn't have a gas. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, desperate for money in the late summer of 1977, Gay turned his usual means of quick cash to being a national tour. Opening in September in New York with the average white band and Luther Vandross. Mm. And in October in New Orleans, after four years together, two children, Marvin Gaye married Janice in 1977, Mm -hmm. in October of that year. And Marvin said, once we got married, things only got worse. I saw that I trapped myself again, but I couldn't help it. Jan still fascinated me. Hmm. And the final five years of Marvin's life was... It was very tumultuous and eventful. There were a few highs, but a lot of lows. Yeah. In 1978, he signed a lucrative um, seven-year contract with Motown, yet he filed for bankruptcy. His tax bills mounted. His marriage fell apart quickly, and Janice filed for divorce. He lived as a recluse in Hawaii for six months until the summer of 1980. He was chronically depressed 
and he tried to kill himself with a cocaine overdose. Mm, none of that surprises me. I know. He came close to murdering Janice a few times, hmm. I guess, from their fights and drove her away. Right. And with the IRS and debts chasing him, he left America in 1980. Hmm. He tried to go on the road in Europe. It was a disaster. He stood up Princess Margaret, who was a fan of his, for dinner. Who stands up a princess? He stood up Princess Margaret. She's a bit of a mess by this time. I don't give herself. a frig. She's a princess. <laughs> Meh, nothing, nigga. You need to pay rent. Meh, take your ass to dinner and meet up with her. This is what he uh-huh. said. He was Well, he was upset with the promoter who was lying to him. Because a lot of promoters That's not lie. princess whatever's fault. Well, the, I think, I can't remember. I read it. But I can't remember. I think it was the promoter who did some shenanigans okay. that involved the princess. So, of course, it probably came out that he did something specifically to her. And Marvin figured it out because he's yeah, not yeah. a stupid guy right. on the night of. Right. And he was like, F you. You set this up. Right. You know what? So, screw you. You sit there and deal with that because the promoter was that being a jerk. Sense. He couldn't stand him. Yeah. And Marvin said he refused to apologize. He said, why should a prince apologize to a princess? Ooh. Go ahead, Marvin. <gasps> I love it. Go ahead, Marvin. I don't. I think that's so disrespectful, but okay. He lied. He he lied. His relationship with Motown broke down horribly in 1981 Mm -hmm. when they released his album, In Our Lifetime, without his consent. That's Mm. no bueno. It sold poorly, and he left Motown. Mind you, he still owed money to the IRS, his two ex-wives, and still a bankruptcy. And in 1982, he signed with Columbia and began recording his final studio album in Belgium, and that was Midnight Love. Mm. And it was released in October 1982. Now, you know what song was on Midnight Love? I do not. Please tell me. Sexual Healing. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know that. Oh, that's crazy. He returned back to healing. he returned back to the U.S. finally for his mother's surgery, mm. and it was an immediate hit, sold a million copies, and he finally won his first Grammy on February twenty third, nineteen eighty three. Damn, until the eighties. Yep, Marvin Gaye won his first. Isn't that a travesty? Marvin Gaye. But we could go on and on about the fact that Oscar snubs, Grammy snubs, Emmy snubs. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I get it. In May, he performed at the 25th Motown anniversary concert, which we all know. I remember watching Mm -hmm. that. Michael Jackson stole the show by singing Billie Jean. Yes. Motown 25, yesterday, today, forever, an award-winning 1983 television special that commemorated Motown Records' 25th year in the business, featured an unforgettable performance by Marvin Gaye. The program was taped before a live studio audience at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium on March 25, 1983, and aired on May 16, 1983, on NBC. There were other numerous rare reunions, such as The Temptations, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, Dinah Ross and the Supremes, Another magical moment of the night featured Michael Jackson, who performed with his brothers as the Jackson Five. After his brothers left the stage, Michael performed Billie Jean, which was at the top of the Billboard charts at the time. The Motown 25 Yesterday, Today, Forever television special 
was the highest viewed primetime show in the United States with over 30 million views. So the record company pressured him to go on tour again to promote Midnight Love, which was the hugely popular album. Mm -hmm. He caved, and it went all wrong because he caved. According to Sheila E., mm -hmm. who was a part of his band with her dad? Because, you know, her dad is a big-time percussion player. I did not know that. How mm -hmm. do I not know that? Yeah. Jesus, this is awesome. Sorry, Yeah. Lord. Yeah, I love that you're giving me all of these tidbits. I had no idea. That's what I'm here for. That's what she is there she for. She said that, you know, she, she, she constantly stated that, he, you know, she was, according to Sheila E., you know, she was a part of the band with her dad. Mm-hmm. And he... Marvin said he constantly stated that he couldn't take the pressure and hated performance. She said that he said that throughout the tour. Right. Also, he smoked lots of cocaine. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting part. Wait, you said smoked or snorted? He started smoking. So it wasn't coke, it was crack. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Here's the mm. interesting part. Yeah. And I've dealt with this on a lot of the... I'll, I'll just tell you, here's the interesting part, and then I'm going to go into the, the other parts of the rockabies. Marvin told his aides, his musicians, and anyone who, who would listen that his life was on the line. Mm. He believed he was being stalked and that someone was out to murder him. He even predicted how he would be killed, how Whoa. he would die. He said he would be shot to death by a pistol. What? He wore a bulletproof vest. Stop it. He wouldn't go anywhere but his hotel room. When was this? And what year was you, this? He said this in the last year of his life. Now, doing, Kitty, doing Rockabies, so many artists like Bob Marley, Left Eye, uh, Patsy Cline, mm. predicted how they would die. Like, predicted, you know, like Marvin Gaye, I mean, uh, Bob Marley said, he had supposedly said really early on, I'm not going to live past my 36 year or something like what that. What rap artist um, currently mm -hmm. made that proclamation and like said to the world, oh, I know I'm a big guy. I mean, I know I'm going to die and I'm going to die soon. Recently. Really? And then he was snuffed out. Yeah, it was somebody. Damn it, oh, I need to that little kid. Tenacious, was it that tenacious kid? Or something like that. that so supposedly that, he said it on the day that he died or something. Right. Weird. Like, yeah, it's going down. I'm something gonna, like Bye Guys or something like something. that. I also saw there's this band called something about we Are Romeo or something. I just read this today. Mm -hmm. um, and the kid had put out a, a um, he had put out a, uh, wait a minute, let me see here. Thank you, baby. Mm -hmm. But it's actually just fine. It's just a matter of me. Okay. I didn't want to get too close. He had put out a, the kid died of an overdose, but the day that he died, he had said something, remember me. I think that's him, that tenacious kid. Well, there was a rap artist who did that, yeah. That's and this was rapper. a little white kid, I think, on a metal band. Just today I read that. He said something to it his Twitter, like, remember mm -hmm. me, and then he died like the day. Mm. It's weird how people, these artists people have such a... It's that creativity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're they tapping tap into in, some. There you go. They tap into something so much deeper. So... They, the, the tour, <laughs> And the tour turned sad. When you Remember when you were talking about how dialing it in? The tour turned sad when ticket sales started dropping. Mm. I would have loved to have went and saw I would have, wasn't old enough or whatever. But, you know, he, when the ticket sales dropped, uh, Marvin Gaye just, 
it just went bad because of the drug use. And he started coming out in a robe, and when he took off his robe, he'd be wearing pajamas, and then he'd take off his top, and someone would come up and pull down his pants, and he'd pretend that he was surprised. And this is where he started staying... um, you know, he just it just went bad. That's that last your act. Tour. That's the last <laughs> tour. It was pretty sad. It sounds pathetic. I'm it sorry sad. I didn't laugh, but sheesh. Yeah, because of the drugs, and he was he was paranoid. You know, he thought I'm gonna die, and so yeah. he retreated to his parents' home, which mm-hmm. we talked about that Tudor style home on Gramercy Place. Right. So the late summer of 1983, Marvin retreated to his parents' home on Gramercy Place. His mother's bedroom was situated between Marvin and his dad's bedroom. And he bought a gun for his father for Christmas Mm. as a gift. He could speak of nothing that whole time except suicide and death. Mm. And, um, you know, Marvin was consuming frighteningly, like, large quantities of cocaine. Mm. And his dad was usually drunk on vodka. Right. And on those So wait, how was he in proximity to his dad anyway? Like I, I mean, as a grown so the mom, the mom was in the her bedroom was between him and his dad's bedroom. Why was he living there? He because he really kind of retreated back there. He didn't really have another place to got stay him. right now. You know, I'm he not married. That. I got kids. Yeah, I gotta get. Okay. Yeah. So he so he found he went there to find solace. Went back to his parents' house. Okay. And it was kind of volatile because he was in a, a keg, basically. Because, But on those few occasions when he did venture from the house, he would be high on coke. Mm-hmm. He put his shoes on the wrong feet. This is Marvin oh, wow. Gaye. Right. And wore three overcoats at once as he stumbled out onto the freeway overpass until someone caught him sometimes what? and brought him back home. Four days before his death, Marvin tried to kill himself by throwing himself out of a car going wow. 60 miles an hour. He was only bruised, but there's no doubt he wanted to die. Marvin Gaye, the imp, the the genius, the genius of Marvin. that he is. But see, that's the problem. Okay, I'm not trying to get too deep into my own personal shit, but I'm just saying I can relate to those kinds of thoughts, and I just know what that means in terms of mental illness. A lot of people, a lot of people that don't suffer from mental illness, don't really get it, and I think that's why there's such prejudice and why there's such a huge like misunderstanding about it and an association with only like homeless people or violent people or that's what we do, right? Like somebody kills everybody. Oh, they must have been this, that, and the third. Let me just say this. I think it's unfortunate, but I hope that the conversation continues, that this is the product of mental illness. And what people fail to realize, looking at it, trying to be objective on the outside looking in, is that something must have triggered it. Something must have happened. You know what I mean? I was diagnosed with depression at 12. So when people ask me questions like, well, what happened? Nothing has to happen. God made my brain so that, unfortunately, there are days where I wake up and all I see is tumultuous. All I see is giving up. All I see is you are a loser. It's just a negative black cloud that hangs over you, unfortunately, that some days show up and other days do not. And sometimes the the days that it shows up linger for weeks at a time. And it's beyond draining and unnerving because you have to do your best to not just circumvent that feeling, but to ingest some good shit in order to balance it out and prayerfully, you know, supersede it. Mm-hmm. So when people are like, you know, well, what happened? Why did he do? Well, he jumped out of car and what was going on with him? Yes, obviously all of these things happening in his life on the external were factors. But let's be clear. If you want to take your own life nine times out of ten, you've been feeling this way for a long time. Yeah, and he, he you know, and, and then, it, you know, as you said, it's 
really serious when it you is. deal with it depression. It is very serious, and I and hate it doesn't, people minimize it. It doesn't help when you throw in crack. Yeah, I don't know what that's like. Can't speak from that point of view. Yeah, but tell me, yeah, I can't tell me what fathom. it's like when you throw right. in crack. Yeah, well, when crack come around, that'd be the worst. Um, yeah, you no, know, I don't know. So but I, I do know, you know what I mean? But it looked, I have family members, you know what I mean, that literally killed themselves from substance abuse. So it isn't Aww. like I'm not uh, aware of it. I just yeah. pray, thank God, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't suffer from it. Um, thank God, too, right? Uh, yeah. You wouldn't like be here I'm, now. I'm just going to say, I'm so grateful to be oh, here. I'm grateful for you here. So on April 1st, 1984, mm-hmm. which is uh, the day, right? Marvin was in his bed wearing a maroon, maroon robe, talking to his 71-year-old mother by his side. Mm. Both whispered quiet speakers, uh, both whispered quietly to each other. You know, they always spoke to each other. She, They often read Bible verses to each mm. other. And it had only been 18 months since she had nearly died of that kidney ailment that he had came back into the United States for. Right. And also she had excruciating pain in her legs, making her barely able to walk. And um, Marvin's dad yelled up at her. And, he, and you know, Marvin shouted back down at his dad, um, telling him that if he had something to say, uh, you know, come up and say it to them, you know, do so in person. So because his dad, this is stupid. His dad was frustrated. So shiftless, mm-hmm. shiftless was frustrated by his inability to find an insurance letter. I'm talking about Marvin Gaye Sr., his dad. Right. So he walked up the staircase in a fury. Mm-hmm. He stomped up the staircase. He entered his son's bedroom where he scolded in Marvin's mom, right. which set Marvin off, because this is the mom. Yeah, this is the mom, her. and I know you don't fuck with me, Dad. So I'm gonna need you to get out of the face of the one man, member of the family that does. He adores her. Right. He leaped to her defense and ordered his dad to get out of the room. And the dad stood his ground until his son hit him and shoved him out of the room into the hallway. Mm. And the mom told uh, the son told Marvin Jr. to stop. But she said he paid no attention to her, you know, about pushing his dad. He just was t- done with his dad. Right. And she said that he gave the dad some pretty hard licks. Not that he probably didn't earn that. I'm but just saying, not saying hit your parents, but whatever. Not coming from anywhere. Yeah. Right. And we're not advocating that you beat your kids. I no. Mean, that you beat your, beat your parents, parents up. But, you know. But, but your parents um, don't, yeah. Well, whatever. Anyway. We right. <laughs> moving on. We ain't going to touch that. Yeah. In the past... Um, his dad had made it very clear that if Marvin were to ever strike him, he'd murder him. Mm. And he said it to multiple people. So the mom separated them. Minutes later, the dad went down the hallway to his room, got the gun that Marvin had given to him four months earlier for Christmas, a thirty-eight caliber, for protection. Marvin had given it to him. He probably shouldn't have bought his dad a gun, not somebody you hate. Think? Or someone hate. that hates you. Yeah, exactly. Somebody that hates you. Yeah, because he didn't hate, hate his dad. Exactly. He didn't. And he came down and pulled the trigger. Red blood spread all over Marvin's chest, and the bullet penetrated his shoulder, and his body slumped from the bed to the floor. But this is was so cruel. The father waited and took a few steps forward, aimed the gun again at Marvin and fired point blank. I did blank. not know that. So the first bullet was in the shoulder, so yeah. that would not have killed him. No. Dad the second stood over bullet, him. Yes, he came closer, aimed, so and like shot him. So that's like assassination style. Yes, he shot him through the heart. Father God. 
afraid of being shot next, the traumatized mom, um, which she because she just saw her beloved Marvin get shot, screamed for the mercy of God and ran out of the room. And now I noticed she had pain in her legs, poor thing. And according to reports, Gay's father hid the gun underneath his pillow. Oh, yeah, because nobody's going to find it there. Exactly. In the meantime, Frankie, when we're talking about Frankie, right. and Frankie's wife, Irene, heard the shots. Came upstairs. Because they lived in the guest house on the property, and they heard mm-hmm. screams right. from the mom. Right. Rushed out and saw their mom running into the arms of Irene, and the mom was shouting, he shot Marvin, he killed my boy. Frankie ran into the house and walked into the hallway. He was very careful because you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Tiptoe gingerly. Yeah, because he didn't know what, what the dad is. The dad still had the gun, course, whether course. he was still in the room or if his brother was dead. He walked into Marvin's room, and Frankie said, um, held Marvin, mm. who was bleeding out rapidly. And according to Frankie, Marvin barely spoke above a whisper, and he told him, I got what I wanted. I couldn't do it myself. So I had him do it. It's good. No. I ran my race. There's no more left in me. No. Police arrived and arrested the dad. Who said? Wait, I've read so many articles about this whole situation. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that is horrible. He said, I ran my race. I ran my race. He said, I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't do it myself. Father God. There's no more left in me. Oh. So... So at 1.01 p.m. at the the California Hospital Medical Center at that time, Marvin Gaye Jr. was pronounced dead on arrival the day before his 45th birthday. His funeral was held on April 5th, a few days later, and his mother, you know, kissed him on the cheek, bent over his body, and wept. Mm. The coffin was closed. The next day he was cremated and on a ship at sea. They Anna. And his three children threw his ashes to the wind. And Jet yeah. Magazine, they said, carried a photo. But his sister said, and Is this Jet is still published? I just thought about that. I've I think not so. seen a Jet or an Ebony in a million years. But I know. There again, I live in Southern <laughs> California, so. <laughs> Maybe go to a, a newsstand. All right, I need to go to Inglewood, a newsstand in Inglewood. There's one over here in Hollywood on Larchmont. Yes, I know, but but in Larchmont, you think they call her in Jet and Ebony. That's my whole point. Larchmont, she's so adorable. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But his sister said, and this was interesting, she said, I have no doubt that this is exactly how Marvin chose to die. This way he accomplished three things. He put himself out of misery. He brought relief to mom by finally getting her husband out of her life. And he punished dad by making certain that the rest of his life would be miserable. Wow. That's like martyrdom times a thousand. Yeah. I did not know about any of these quotes. So it all makes so much more sense now. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he put himself in harm's way. To save his mom. To save his mom, to give his father the reciprocity that he felt he deserved. And he did. But and he just really just didn't want to be here. Here's no the more. sad. Here's the sad part. Mm-hmm. Well, this is actually good because on June 18th, mm-hmm. a few months later, after 49 years of marriage, finally, his mom sued his dad for a divorce. Two days later, she arranged for a thirty thousand dollar bond, allowing him to leave jail, the dad, and return to the Gramercy Place home. Meanwhile, 
the mom moved in with her daughter with with Marvin's sister Jean. Um, but she said, "Wait, the daughter moved in with her auntie." Okay. The mom moved oh, in with, with, with her, her daughter. With her daughter, Marvin's okay. sister, gotcha. Jean. Gotcha. And the mom said, I had thought of leaving him many, many times before mm. he shot Marvin, but I didn't have the courage. I felt sorry for him, and he also frightened me. Now I'm divorcing him because I no longer want to be called his wife. I no longer want to be told what to do. There's too much sorrow in my heart. First of all, he's so in jail, so he ain't telling you shit, Mama. He got out, boo-boo. He no. He didn't do any time. What is going on? I'm getting to that. I'm sorry. I'm so unprivileged. This is good. This is good. He tell said, me, yeah. She said, he always knows how, he always knew how to upset me, and you can't tell him anything because he says he knows everything. That's how it's always been. That's what she wanted done with him. Mm-hmm. Marvin left no will, and at the time of his death, he was heavily in debt. His royalties have allowed the estate to become solvent, of course. Mm. And, you know, that lawsuit with... Uh, when uh, with between the Pharrell and and uh, oh, yeah, when they yeah, took that, that whole song. thing, that was a nice little coin. Yeah, I mean that sounded like Marvin Gaye. I'm sorry. Right, it, all day. Yeah. So he was so, like. So the point is that they, they were able to make him some, as you said, solvency. Yeah, those even means. after he died, not just even that they were. Then they were probably already solvent by the time they got to Pharrell. Oh, okay. Them, but because even with Marvin Gaye, he said during his lifetime, like in 1982, he said, "I've made three separate fortunes." All the way through my life. So this time, you know, he's at peace. His father's his father's sentence was probated, by the way. So his five year probated sentence expired, and he lived five in five years yes, probation. What, what? How does that happen? He he lived he lived out the rest of his life in a retirement home. Ain't that a bitch? And when when the author one of the authors David Ritz went to interview him, he said he don't have any memory. And he, I don't he, know what happened. Well, he just says, I don't, uh, whatever. I don't know what happened. I mean, if you have no memory. He won't, he won't take responsibility for any of it. He was, he was unrepentant He's about disgusting. it. He's disgusting. He was unrepentant. He, but this is the man of God. He, his <sighs> father pleaded no contest to a voluntary manslaughter charge mm. on September 20th, 1984, he was sentenced to a six-year suspended sentence and five years probation. Marvin's mom, to whom he was so devoted, she died May 8th, 1987. So she died a few, three years after Marvin. And his dad died in 1998. He lived many years right. after Marvin. She died of a broken heart, and he oh. suffered absolutely like, no... cares? Right, exactly. He, he didn't feel like any type of way about shit. it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And there you go. That's unfortunate. So I have a last quote from Marvin that, that kind of encompasses Marvin's life about his artistic life. And Marvin said, as an artist, my purpose is to awaken the human spirit. The only way, the only thing to achieve is the exit and the escape. And I think that's what Marvin Gaye, I mean, he was a true artist and a true genius and actually I'm glad I I did the show about him or we did the show about mm-hmm. him because what did he mean to you Marvin meant a great deal I'm not gonna I wish that he was more a part of my life growing up because during I mean you know I gotta keep it a thousand we what's your first pretend. Marvin Gaye memory my first Marvin Gaye memory is not one that I actually remember it's one that my mother reminds me of constantly and I love I love the memory. I think it's dope as hell that my mother is able to piece that together. So mm-hmm. she tells me 
Okay, so my mom had me at 21. So maybe by like 25, she said we went to a concert and she snagged first front, front row seats to Marvin Gaye. <gasps> and Marvin Gaye performed, Al Green performed, oh, wow. and somebody else. And she said that I literally, it was a baby baby. You know how they have those um, fences to kind of keep the people back in terms of that? There's like a specific kind of fence, Wait, right? You've been holding on to this, man, <laughs> this thing for this whole show? This whole show, she said I was jumping up and down, but I was so little that I was on the fence part of it trying to hang on and just watch the show. And she said all I kept saying was, Marvin Gaye and Al Green. Marvin Gaye and Al... Well, not Marvin, Marvin or whatever. Marvin Gaye and Al Green. Is that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah, but I was like... A ch- you know what I mean? I don't have... Unfortunately, I don't recall it anymore. That's but genius. that is my... Well, you got to you got to breathe the same air. How about that? As a genius, I mean, Marvin Gaye. It's funny because he. It's so funny he's never died musically. Yeah, no, never, never. He's so timeless. He never died musically. That's that's how it should be, right? Right. That's true. The biggest, the best part of him, right? Because Michael Jackson will never be timed. Never. He is timeless. Jack. I mean, uh, my baby, my purple baby, Prince. Prince. He'll never, he's timeless. Yeah, we, I want to say thank you oh, to Miss Kitty Kaboom. We're not saying thank you. Now we're not done. We are. We're done with Marvin Gaye. Aw. We're okay. done with Marvin Gaye. Well, Marvin so, Gaye was a shit, and thank you for having me. Thank you. I just want to say Kitty Kitty Kaboom <laughs> was my co-host today, and she, she's amazing. As she's, are you. Um, you know what? Tell, tell the people where they can, you know. Okay, so Kitty Kaboom. Kaboom comes out of a distinct need. Once I became SAG, they kept asking me, what's your last name? What's your last name? I'm like, I can't be just Cher? Damn. Okay. Um, so I create, right. I just came up with Kaboom, and I, I think it fits. But, yeah, my claim to fame um, as it stands now was years ago as the voice of Sita. Oh, so I nice. was a virtual reality character and the voice of Sita's world on BET. We, we had a great run, almost so four years. So funny. And then, thank you, since then, since that cancellation, I've done the Boondocks, where I was the sweetest taboo. You so were I the sweetest was, uh, taboo. Cat Williams. Cat Williams over here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, I was his bottom bitch on uh, the Boondocks, which is Sony, and then Nickelodeon. I was on American Dragon on Disney. I did Witch and uh, Barnyard, which went on to do a movie. And granted, I don't want any of y'all think I'm lying to kick it because it's not my Steve's <laughs> boo. Uh, what's her name? Um, what is that black woman's name? She's a comedian. She got big hair. Uh, she wears a natural. She married to a white woman. She's gay, obviously. They have a child. A child. Oh, oh, oh. You know what I'm talking about. Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes took my place in the movie Boondocks. But originally, that was me. And in the mm-hmm. uh, cartoon that comes on TV, the animation, that was me. So anyway, not to be, I'm not that type. And then I did this. Just to give you an idea of what I've done. So find me if you're interested. Kitty Kaboom. K-I-T-T-I-E. K-A-B, as in boy, O-O-M, on um, IG. Kitty Kali, which somebody gave him my name, my <laughs> government name, K-I-T-T-I-E-K-A-L-I on Facebook. And what's the other one? IG, of course. No, I did IG. Snap, Twitter. Kitty, Kitty, Lord, I can't even talk. Kitty Meow. K-I-T-T-I-E-M-E-E-Y-O-W-W-W. Yeah, that's me. So check me out. Holla at your girl. Perfect. Since his death, Marvin Gaye's versatile vocal range and unforgettable music still resonates today. And he has become an influential force in pop and soul music. Numerous artists like Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, Fish, James Taylor, Aaliyah, Kate Bush, 
Kanye West, Mary J. Blige, Pharrell Williams, and The Strokes have covered and or sampled Marvin's songs. He was posthumously bestowed with numerous awards and honors, such as the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987, the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame, and the Songwriters Hall of Fame. What's going on? His largest ranked album was later chosen in 2003 for inclusion by the Library of Congress into its prestigious National Recording Registry. In addition, four of his songs, I Heard It Through the Grapevine, What's Going On, Let's Get It On, and Sexual Healing have made it onto Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. All right, then, and that's the... And that the is what it is. The, the last episode <laughs> is wonderful. The last episode, well, this is the end of the episode on Marvin Gaye. Rest Amen. in peace, Marvin Gaye. And rock and go to our website, which is www... Well, that's three W's. www.rockabyespodcast.com. That's too funny, minus three W's. Two E's, three W's. Meow. Nice. Anyway. So thank you. Bye, rock Bye, guys. 